The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Have you ever heard of the uh, Costa Concordia cruise? It's a tragedy that happened about six years ago. There's a cruise ship in the Mediterranean Sea that struck a rock and started to sink. And allegedly, the captain of the ship just took off and left the ship prematurely to the end that 32 people died in the wreck. So I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about the fleeing Captain Shatino? How do you like that guy? Two thumbs down. In contrast, did you ever hear about the 2009 Miracle on the Hudson? Hey, maybe you saw the movie. U.S. Airways Flight 1549, dual engine failure. Pilot had to land a plane in the Hudson River. Um, due to structural damage, when they opened the back escape doors, the plane began to flood. So as you can imagine, everyone began to run forward to the middle doors, to the front doors. Everyone except one. Who was it? Captain Sullenberger entered the freezing water up over his waist, to check the aisles, not once, but twice. And all 155 passengers escaped the plane alive, with Captain Sully the last to exit. So uh, which captain do you prefer? Shatino or, or Sully? Well, Sully, he's a hero, we made a movie about him. Why? He was willing to sacrifice to serve the ones for whom he was responsible. He was willing to sacrifice to serve the ones for whom he was responsible. I heard a speaker and debater, Stephanie Gray, give this illustration I just shared with you, and her point was this. When we think about it, nearly everyone values sacrificial love over selfish preservation. Who are your heroes? The people who leave everyone else to save themselves? Or the person who will sacrifice herself or himself for the sake of others? Well, we know what heroism is. Um, our heroes are the ones who do the right thing even when it's hard. You might say our heroes are the ones who love. But it takes courage to love, doesn't it? You ever find loving difficult? It takes courage to love. When the water is filling the boat or the plane, it would be a lot easier to be Captain Chitino and take off. It's a lot harder to be sully and walk into the dark, sinking plain. Okay, honesty time. I gotta admit, many times in my life, I've been selfish instead of sacrificial. Many times in my life, I have not been the hero. Is anybody else there with me today? Okay. Um, and you know, many times when I do that, it's because of fear. It's because of fear. It's because of what it might bring, of what, uh, what might happen. And that's why I love this incredible phrase in our text this morning. Did you hear it? It's in verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Just imagine for a moment, what would it be like to know love like that? No fear anymore. Perfect love, so, so love that any fear is gone. And you know, the Apostle John is saying the greatest defeater of fear is that incredible love you can receive uniquely from God through Jesus and what he's done for you. 
That love comes from knowing that in Jesus, you're eternally, unconditionally loved and forgiven to where you have no fear left. No fear even on the day of judgment. Can you imagine? No fear because you know you've been forgiven. You know it's taken care of. You're, you're friends with this one who's come and it's knowing that love so deeply that that love flows through you so that you lose the fear to love others. Perfect love casts out fear. What a wonderful idea. Well, it's in the spirit of that idea I need to address the issue of abortion this morning. Uh, President Reagan made the third Sunday of January Sanctity of Life Sunday, and it's just a good time to remember the situation of our country regarding abortion and find the courage to have the right response. We gotta pause, it does, and remember, it does take courage to think about abortion, doesn't it? This is not like, oh, I can't wait till this Sunday. It's never like that for me. Um, I don't enjoy it. It takes courage to talk about abortion. Um, it's emotionally charged, it's controversial, it's painful. It takes courage for you to be here and listen. Thank you for doing that. It takes courage to think through it, but we have to, um, at least because no, there's no community that isn't touched by it somehow. The numbers are staggering. You know some of them, right? How many a day? 3,000. A September of 11th of abortions every day. Uh, I read something, so that makes it 60 million since Roe v. Wade. Can you even ponder that? Can you, can you capture that? 60 million? And, and, and people say one in three women has been affected. One in three. So none of us can, can skate around this as if, as if it doesn't hit our, our families, our communities. It does. Um, and it's heavy. I want you to know I may, I may cry today. I already have. Um, Carl, thank you for sharing, shedding tears. I know you didn't plan that. <laughs> um, but I want you to know if you cry today, it's okay. It's okay, we're in the shadow of a cross. Somebody who died for us. It's okay, and really one of my prayers is that if you or someone you're close with uh, has been affected by abortion, that, that this could be a catalyst for healing and for help. So it takes courage to think about abortion, to talk about it. Uh, it takes courage to stand. But we've seen what's, what's gonna give us the courage we need. First John 4, perfect love drives out fear. In the love of Jesus, we can find the courage we need to do, here's what I wanna do briefly with you this morning, three things. Courage to be honest about abortion, courage to rely on the love of God for us in Christ, and the courage to love our neighbor. Courage to be honest, courage to rely on the love of God in Christ, and the courage to love our neighbor. So first, let's find the courage to be honest what is abortion? Uh, there are some who want to say abortion is a reproductive right. There are some who want to say that abortion is protection for those who aren't ready to care for a child. But I think you might agree that the answer to the question of what is abortion can only be answered by the answer to, to this next question. What is a fetus? What is a fetus? You know, the way we sometimes use the word fetus, you'd think we were talking about a strange alien species. Um, you know, I, I took the liberty of looking it up in the dictionary. You know what a fetus is? The dictionary said, an unborn offspring of a mammal. 
Oh. So evidently, elephants and uh, whales and polar bears are all fetuses before birth. Of course, right? Uh, you used to be a fetus. So did, so did I. And we realize that fetus is not a word for what species you are. It's a word for how old you are. Fetus becomes an infant, becomes a toddler, and so on. Fetus is about how old you are. So if you want to know what kind of species a certain fetus was, I'm going to get real technical here, you could look at her parents. <laughs> what kind of uh, fetus does a pregnant polar bear have? Is there any debate on this? <laughs> I'm going to go with polar bear. Um, Abortion supporters might hear say, hey, wait, life hasn't begun yet. It's not a person yet. That raises the next question. When is a human a human? When is a human a human? There's an interview a couple years ago with the president of Planned Parenthood. And the interviewer started with this. I'd like to have been a fly on the wall in this room. For you, he said, when does life start? When does a human be- being become a human being? And the Planned Parenthood president Planned Parenthood president said, this is a question I think will be debated through the centuries. The interviewer pressed in further, okay, but for you, what's the point? The president said, it's not something I feel like is really part of this conversation. Then she said, I think every woman needs to make her own decision. The interviewer pressed further, but why would it be so controversial for you to say when you think life starts? President of Planned Parenthood said, I don't know that it's controversial. I don't know that it's really relevant to the conversation. Later she added, I'm the mother of three. For me, life began when I delivered them. They've probably been the most important thing in my life ever since, but that's my own personal decision, right? Is the question of when Does a human become a human, a personal decision? Does life begin at delivery? You want to be like, have you heard of ultrasounds? And she would be like, yeah, they kill business. You realize that when we start to answer a question like this and somebody says, oh, life, does it really matter to the conversation? Life begins at delivery. Uh, We left science behind a long time ago, didn't we? We left science behind. Um, You know what species a human fetus is. It's human. You know there's a law in the books in the state of Maine where it is illegal to transport a pregnant lobster. And the fines can be anywhere from $2,500 to $10,000. Why? Because you might harm the eggs. So imagine you get caught, you know, transporting a bunch of pregnant lobsters. (laughs) And uh, you get arrested and you're standing trial and the judge says, well, you're caught red-handed. Anything else to say? And you say, I got one question, Your Honor. Are these eggs truly lobsters? And how will the room respond to your question? It's scientifically and philosophically 
philosophically obvious, a human fetus is a young human child. It's human. What do human children deserve? They deserve human rights. That's what they deserve. Uh, another, tr- another true story from uh, Stephanie Gray, the speaker I referenced earlier. She was talking about a car accident where the car ended up in a cold river and it was sinking. And on top of the car uh, was a mother holding a 10-month-old baby. And so as the paramedic came to the situation, uh, water's moving, the water's cold, he realizes he can't get them both out of the water at the same time. So who does he save first? The baby. Why? I mean, you didn't even have to think about that, right? You're like, save the baby. You didn't have to go, hmm. Save the baby. But why? Why save the baby first? Because the woman is a, is a grown adult. She's strong. She's capable. She's, she's, she's no longer young and vulnerable. She, she'll be all right on the car for a while. But if you save her and you leave the baby, what happens? The baby won't make it. And so we know in our soul, what do we owe the one who's most vulnerable? Sacrificial love. And that's what Stephanie Gray was saying with this illustration. In a civil society, we all know that the weaker person deserves the sacrificial care of the stronger. We know that. So is a human fetus any less human than a human infant? He's just younger. But is he weaker than the human infant? Yeah. And so what does he deserve? The sacrificial care of the stronger. So we come back to that question. It takes courage to answer it honestly. What is abortion? It's killing a human child who deserved our care and protection. That's what it is. That's what it is. I'd like to challenge us with this idea. If it isn't a good reason to kill someone outside of the womb, it isn't a good reason to kill someone inside of the womb. I wanna ask some hard questions. Is it okay to kill someone because she's female? No. Did you know that sex-selective abortion is massive all around the world and it's happening in our country? Or um, is it okay to kill someone because they're handicapped? I'm scared to even ask that. I have friends who are handicapped. I have family members who are handicapped. This is a a horrible question. No, no, no. Well, why would it be if they're younger and they live in a different room? Uh, Is it okay to kill someone because they're poor or unwanted? (laughs) All the families waiting to adopt are like, unwanted? (laughs) No. No. I got one slide I wanna show you. Anybody know who this is? It's my first picture, Neil. There she is. Anybody know who that is? That's Ethel Waters. She had quite a career, especially for her time. She was the second African-American to be nominated for an Academy Award. She was the first African-American woman to be nominated for an Emmy Award. She toured with Billy Graham and sang her song, His Eye is on the Sparrow. There was a church I went to as a kid and they sang that like every other Sunday. I was like, enough, you know? <laughs> enough. What an amazing woman. She was conceived as a result of the rape of her teenage mother, who was either 13 or 14. 
rape is unspeakably evil. It deserves harsher consequences. Should Ethel have received the death sentence for the wicked crimes of her father? Do you want kids to die for the crimes of their father? If it's not a good reason to kill someone outside the womb, it's not a good reason to kill someone inside the womb. It takes courage to be honest about abortion, especially in the face of a holy God. How do you think God feels about abortion? I tremble over this. You can think of Psalm 139 and how he knits people together in their mother's womb. Uh, you could read through the Old Testament prophets and see God get pretty toasted angry about child sacrifice. You could hear God's voice say he hates systems that prey on the weak and the poor and the helpless. And in this arena of life, that is what our nation has become. And so, well, we're, um, he's angry at abortion. And that's when we need the courage to confess and repent. I want to show you a verse from 1 John chapter 1. Look at 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9. We read this with me. It's so beautiful for today. Uh, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, how glorious. But what do we need to do when we're mucked up in our sin? Confess it. Confess it. I remember the prophet Daniel. He's probably the, other than Christ, I mean, he's, he's a superhero of Scripture. Most of our heroes in Scripture, the narratives will show you their faults. Daniel doesn't show a lot of faults. Um, of course, he had them, but he's an amazing, amazing person. And when he prays, he confesses the sin of his community like it's his. Even though he hasn't done it personally, he realizes, uh, as humans, we're connected. And so it's in that spirit, I was just thinking of a confession regarding abortion. I'm going to read my confession. And uh, your heart can join in, if you like. I would want to say we repent for being a culture that demands sex without responsibility at any cost. I would want to say we repent for being a culture that loves money, comfort, and convenience above people. To the tune where abortion can make a billion dollars a year. Uh, we repent of being part of a culture that loves being politically correct so you can be a hero for rightly arguing against slavery, rightly arguing against racism, and yet be silent on abortion even though the arguments are the same. We repent for men who use women and leave them. We repent for absent fathers and selfish boyfriends. We repent of family schools, even churches that pressure women to keep it quiet and fix it quick and offer no support 
to those who need it. We repent for making that choice to abort. We repent for doing nothing. Back to 1 John 1, 8. What happens when we confess and repent? He's faithful and just to what? To forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't have time to go through all the details of our text this morning, but I want you to see just a little bit. Verses 15, 16, and 17. And here's my phrase for you as we look at it. Whoever confesses has. Whoever confesses has. Look at verse 15 of 1 John chapter 4. Whoever confesses. Now, uh, let's think about this first word together. Whoever. What do you like about that? Whoever. Who does that include? Okay. Whoever, as long as you've never done this. Whoever, as long as you're really good in that area. Whoever, let's add, you, no. Whoever, praise God. Can that include you today? Can it include me today? Whoever. I've said this way too many times, but our, our favorite church song, right? Amazing Grace, who wrote it? John Newton, what was he before being a Christian? Slave trader, okay? Slave trader, bad resume, deserves hell. Whoever confesses Jesus can be forgiven, made new. Whoever, next word, confesses. Here in, this, uh, in chapter four, confesses is, uh, it has repentance in it. You've turned away from your life rebelling against God. You've turned away from denying God, from leaving God. You've turned away from being your own God and you've turned to a life for God. You've turned to him and you've believed in Jesus. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, you know he came, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross for sins, he rose from the dead. Whoever confesses that has, has, has. What do you have? Look at verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God, what's the next word? Abides in him. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, if you trust Jesus, really, guess where God lives? In you, with you, you abide with God. Whoever confesses has God himself. You're loved, so loved. He's, he's closer than your breath. Whoever confesses the son, Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him. Oh, you have God himself. Not only that, verse 16, we've come to know and believe the love that God has for us. Whoever confesses has God's love. At the risk of being cheesy, say it with me. If you confess Jesus, say this, say I'm loved. I'm lo Some of you didn't say it, I don't know why. It's okay. If you confess Jesus, you're loved. How loved? There's another spot in John where he says, oh, how great the love of God that we could be called his children. His children. You realize, you know, we want to come back. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The guy, he, he burned all his dad's money. He's coming back. He's like, can I just be a slave? Can I live in the corner? That'd be good enough. I don't even deserve that, but that's all, that's all I can really expect. And you remember what the prodigal father does? Bring the robe. Bring the rings. Bring the shoes. Kill the cow. Party. Full on Child. 
you confess Jesus, guess what? That's what he did for you. That's what he does for you. You have the love of God. You wanna see the picture of God's love, Romans 5, 8? God proves his love for us in this. Why we were still sinners. Christ died for us. We're loved. You want to, we, John says we've come to know his love uh, as you follow Christ, as you, as you seek him, you live for him. You, you've, the Holy Spirit churns up in you, the Bible says, where your heart cries out, Abba, Father, see, look, Father, I love you. Whoever confesses have, you have God himself. You have his love. And then that's when John gets to, you can have confidence in the day of judgment. <laughs> do you imagine, do you ever imagine the day of judgment? Confidence is not the first word that comes to my mind. He's gonna open the books. I'm scared to death to stand before Jesus for all the good things I didn't do. That's enough to send me down, much less all the bad things I have done. And to know the love of God so powerfully. He says there's no fear in love because fear has to do with punishment. But whoever fears has not been perfected in love. When you know the love of Jesus so powerfully, you know there's no more punishment. Where'd it go? Where was the punishment you deserve? Come on, you're guilty. I am too. I know I deserve it. Where'd it go? The cross. He paid it out already. He's like, yeah, my gun was loaded. I already, I already shot the bullet. The hammer was coming down. It already landed. It went on somebody else. There's no fear. Oh, whoever confesses has. You have God himself. You have his love. You can have confidence in the day of judgment. Don't you need that in the face of abortion? I need it. We confess. Whoever confesses Jesus Christ, we have God himself, his love, confidence. But you saw what verse 19 said. So we have, we have courage to be honest about abortion. Um, we have courage to, to rely on Christ uh, for our sin in the midst of abortion and know God's love. And third, what, is, what does God's love do in us, through us? Look at verse 19. We love, why? Because he first loved us. First thing to see is, does God love you because you love so well? Is that how this worked? God's watching, let me see how they love. Oh, they love good enough, I'll love them. Is that how this works? No, that's every other religion. Our religion is, we, we weren't doing anything right and he loved us. He loved us, he came for us. But when you get transformed by that love, what's it gonna start doing in you? Because he first loved us, what do we do? We love. We love. And, and John, John takes a very strong, several parts in this letter. Look at verses 20 to 21. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. <laughs> he does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You're not saved by loving your brothers and sisters. You love your brothers and sisters because you're saved. It's evidence. It shows so can you, can you say you love God and not functionally love his people? No way, no way. Um, who else did Jesus tell us to love? Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. Uh, is he telling us to do anything he didn't do himself? I was his enemy, right? And he loved me. 
So the question we need to ask is, what does it mean for us to have courage to love in the face of abortion? What does it mean to love the human fetus who has no voice? What does it mean to love these women facing very hard decisions? What does it mean to love people who have already experienced this and are trying to find healing? What does it mean to love those who disagree with us vehemently? We each need to ask the Lord what he has for us here. But one thing's for sure, as we find his perfect love, what's it gonna give us courage to do? Courage to love. Courage to love. Amber, you'll have to correct me later if I get this wrong. She's talking about um, a post-abortion group and, and they asked the question, uh, what could have changed your mind? Because they all regretted what they'd done. What could have changed your mind? And they said, support and the truth. Support and the truth. That's a, that's a, that's a good uh, entry point into love. Speak the truth in love, support, serve. That's why I love to have Horizon here with us because it, they're supporting they're telling the truth. We, how can you partner with them? How can we partner with them? Maybe it's something entirely different. Uh, there was an article in Christianity Today by a lady named Karen Pryor. I've got her picture up so you can see her. There's Karen. She's coming. There she is. She's an English professor and research fellow with the Ex Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. Wow. This is, what she, this is what she wrote in, her, in the Christianity Today article. She said, for 10 years, once a week, every week, I waited outside the abortion clinics in the city where I was then living, offering to help the women and men going in and coming out. At most of the clinics, it was nearly impossible to initiate a conversation because the sidewalks were often far from the clinic entrances. But sometimes patients would walk by or even go out of their way to talk to me, sometimes out of curiosity, sometimes out of anger, most often out of desperation. She continues, most of the hours I spent outside the abortion clinic are now a blur of defeat and despair and obscenity hurled here or by a passerby here, a confrontation with an angry boyfriend there, an occasional clash with volunteer escorts, clinic workers or abortionists, freezing snow, sweltering heat, pouring rain. Sounds like a good time. She then received a letter and it went like this. The letter said, I'm not sure you remember me. I met you 20 years ago outside of women's services on Main Street. I was 15 years old. You saved my son's life. I was alone there to start a two-day procedure. Day one of the would-be termination, they instructed me to wait at home and come back the next day and have it completed. However, that night, I felt my son move. The next day, on my way into the building, I met you. I believe you read me some scriptures, made me aware of other options, so I decided to continue with the pregnancy. That day you took me home, you never left my side, you took me to your church, you linked me to other agencies, you were a blessing to me. Today my son is almost 20 years old, away at a college beginning his sophomore year. I miss him so much, he's the best thing that ever happened to me, and when I think of him, I often think of you.
Karen writes about how that floored her. But she was like, uh, she was like Captain Sully. She was like every hero we've ever had, who instead of being selfish, is sacrificial for the vulnerable ones who need our care. And for her, the love of Christ was enough to give her courage and drive out her fear so that she could love like he's loved. I don't know exactly what God is calling you today, what he's calling to you for today. Maybe it's to just trust Jesus right here and, and to be like, I've been running, Jesus, take me. Uh, I trust you. Maybe there's something in your past and you, and you, need, to get, you need to get it dealt with. You need to bring it to Jesus. Uh, there's healing in the love of Jesus. Or maybe you've been healed and you wanna start helping other people heal. What does it mean? What does it mean? I don't know, but may God drive out our fear with his love for us in Christ. And may that give us courage and wisdom for what it means for us to love in the face of abortion. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you've loved us so much, we can't quite understand it. I pray it would land on us. I pray like that verse says, we would come to know the love that you have for us. And I pray, Lord, as we go out from here in our relationships, our ministries, our efforts, um, you'd show us how to love. You'd drive out our fear, Lord, and that we would offer truth and we would offer support. Show us what you have for us, Lord, but drive out our fear in the face of your love. We love you so much. We're so thankful, Jesus, for the gospel. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.